Scott. He's Lee. And we're here to save the movies. Episode number 10. The The car. car. (laughs) That was good. After 10 things, we actually nailed it. I remembered to say the title at the same time. That's right. And we didn't didn't, didn't giggle too much like idiots in the first part. (laughs) I'm sure it'll happen later. I'm sure. You'll get your giggling. That's right. (laughs) So uh, this is uh, my pick. It's uh, the 1977 movie The Car, where evil drives. <laughs> it's about a car that's not too happy <laughs> with a lot of people in this town. <laughs> this car is very angry. And I don't mean that I, I metaphorically. I mean, this car demonstrates anger <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> It's car way. And it's car way. It's pretty obvious. That yeah. It's hateful. Doesn't like anybody. I think this is Most some fine die. car acting. <laughs> you can tell what the car's feeling. And I enjoy that about this movie. The car really emotes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so this has uh, James Brolin as uh, the sheriff. I can't. I never, I never cut his name. I was paying attention. Uh, I believe it was Wade. Oh, yeah, Wade. Yeah. Wade the sheriff. Yeah. Um it also has uh, Ronnie Cox as Luke's, Luke, and you'll remember Ronnie Cox from our Deep Blue Sea episode, where he sits in the back of the beginning scene and says nothing and does nothing and contributes nothing. Yeah, he gets a little more action here. Yeah, this one, he, he even gets the and credit, you know, they do all the credits and then they're like, and Ronnie Cox as Luke, and you're like, well, that's kind of weird, but Luke's an important character and actually one of, one of the sure. more interesting horror adventure action characters. Protagonist, I'd consider him a protagonist. He's pretty important in this movie. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't beat his wife. <laughs> he doesn't beat his <laughs> wife. You know, plus one. <laughs> plus one. He's got a girlfriend and she lives. Oh, spoiler! I'm sorry. Is it... <laughs> well, and that's Luke also lives. That's right. Luke spoiler. also lives. Um, which goes back to when we talk about the things that one of the things we love about this, I love about this movie is how it kind of either intentionally or accidentally subverts a lot of your expectations. Because yep. there's characters you think are going to die that don't die. There's characters you think are going to live who die. And it's not always obvious. It's, sometimes they sur- movies will subvert expectations to the point it's not subverted anymore. You know, like a movie will be like, oh, the good characters are going to die. Well, okay, now I'm not subverted. Right. They this can't one, overuse that. Right. And this one doesn't... It becomes ineffective. This one doesn't do that. I feel like we're coming up with a set of what makes a movie kind of exceptional. Mm-hmm. And one of them is subverting expectations. Um, the other is uh, consistent, like logically consistent characters. Yes. That do things that make sense in the context that they're in. <laughs> it's also nice, which is surprising how often that doesn't happen. <laughs> right, and, and 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 sort of the the thing about um, characters behaving well, not creating problems because they don't behave well. It, it's frustrating in some stories where characters could solve this problem if they just talked. It's kind of like uh, that's the whole premise behind uh, Tucker and Dale, but that's intentionally there about right. they need to talk. And this is an escalation. So that's a little different. But so many other stories, it's just like, man, if you guys would just talk to each other, we could solve this problem. You know, every it's like every freaking zombie movie. Somebody gets bit. It doesn't tell anybody. And everyone's just like, are you okay? Oh, well, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm like, I get allergies. it. <laughs> it's like, I get it because it makes more tension. And it's like an easier way to create problems. But one of the things I love about this movie is, and I compare it to Jaws a lot. Because it's a lot of Jaws. It's just in the <laughs> desert with the car. Is Jaws is sort of like the sheriff has to, Brody has to constantly be fighting the town. The mayor's like, we can't close down. And there's good reasons for that, but it becomes this problem. This one literally is like, once the car shows up, they're like, we've got to stop this car. 
and nobody ever says, well, we can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody's trying to, to keep the police inconspicuous because of the corn festival or some crap. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first draft of this screenplay. <laughs> Small town USA with the biggest frying pan in the world. <laughs> Damn it, Wade. The biggest ball of yarn is going to make this town on the map. And you won't stop it because you're afraid of this car. <laughs> it's not quite so overtly uh, like a polemic on the system. <laughs> right. Which is, so Tucker and Dale is a story about miscommunication. Yes. Where like three companies, three's company might have been. Right. <laughs> right. So I think that's the difference. Right, and it works for Tucker and Dale because that's what it's about. It's not right. an accident. It doesn't use misunderstanding to prolong the plot. I mean, it does, but that's the theme of it. Versus this movie, so many times these characters are on the ball. Right. Their main problem is they're fighting a killer car <laughs> that's supernatural. <laughs> right, they're not incompetent. Not at all. The car is just too much. <laughs> yes, if this was just a guy in a car, they would have caught him really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> he would have killed maybe three people and they would have caught him. Well, somebody dies, and yeah. the, the whole town's basically in an uproar. Yeah, before they know it's a, like a supernatural car, and it's not even. It, and you know, it's like at first, the first person they know is killed is a stranger, and even then, they're still like, "Yeah, this is a problem. <laughs> it's a problem." Because again, they even know it's malicious. It's not even like they say, "Oh, it's a hit and run by accident." They're like, they have a witness who's like, "It ran over him several times." <laughs> and uh, and I love that about this. And and then there's the characters, like for example, like uh, uh, Luke. Is, is an alcoholic and that's a plot in this movie but it's not easily resolved but it's also not this thing where you have uh, we're talking about like where they don't resolve it they don't really. he's it's, still an alcoholic when the movie ends. and he should be but it's like like there's that scene it's not the scene where he's like I said where it's like he's gonna be drinking something and they're like we need you Luke and he looks at his bottle and he throws it away and he rises to the occasion it's more like Luke's shaky reasonably so yeah. but he's still a good character yes. he doesn't create problems because he's shaky. That's one of the things that struck me about this is the the characters in the movie have like real problems that people would have, and they're not just like the alcoholism alcoholism. They're not magically resolved somehow, and they're not there as fodder uh, always for the uh, plot. You know, like sometimes one of the things I get a little annoyed is when characters have relationships or problems in movies, and it's clear that they only exist to help with the plot. Like right. Super 8. I have a real problem with Super 8 because I feel like that movie, everybody has problems, but they're all related to how can this make the plot more complicated. Right. They all tie into the story. So. Right. And it's like this one, like the alcoholism, it only ties into the story that he's got issues because it's it's hard to hold your cool when people you know are dying. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Amos, this guy who beats his wife, is just an asshole. And everybody in the movie hates him. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the, right. And the but when they need people. him, when they need him, you know, they to help with the thing. And like, and even though Amos is an asshole, he also doesn't want to kill a car, killing a bunch of people. Right. He's not like the cartoonish asshole who's like, "Oh, screw everybody." <laughs> They're like, "We need your help to kill a car," and he's like, "I'll I'll kill this car with you. This car is terrorizing my town." Right. <laughs> he might kill me tomorrow. <laughs> right. You know, it's like you might, about this. I might kill my wife, but that's my job, and uh, <laughs> that's. Because he's, he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly he's a jerk who needs to be stopped, but it's not an issue in this movie because that's not what this movie's about. It's like, it's, it's an issue that will probably at some point come up because I've, I've imagined Sheriff Wade will probably step in at some point because sure. he's probably a little more hardened by this killer car thing. Well, they almost do step in in the middle of the movie, but yeah. the killer car is distracting killer car, and that's it's a, And that's what I like too is this car isn't, this car is disrupting their lives. Right. 
it's not so they don't start with this perfect small town where everybody's happy or, and getting along. It's yes. an actual town somewhere with real Isn't, like maleficent. It's a town with problems, actors. with problems, and 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 not like serious problems. Again, this isn't when movie where it's like all oh, the town's dying. It's no, it's just this desert place yeah. that lives, right? <laughs> Which is nice. And you can tell some things. There's probably some conflict between the, the like Native American population, oh, yeah. but they don't really get into that because it's not. It's it, not it's just like a window <laughs> into right. the present day of this this fictional town. The, the story acknowledges these things, making a place seem realer without dwelling on them. Yeah, that seems pretty rare. That I, is I don't see that rare. in movies. Actually, now that you're talking about that, <laughs> now that you mention that, that's incredibly rare. Yeah, uh, to have characters. If anything, it's it's even become more rare because. More and more, like you can tell, people have taken screenwriting classes or writing classes, and and they've been broken down into that. It's like do this, do this. Everything has to be connected. Everything has to have a denouement. Everything has to have a climax and a connection. Um, and it can be a little artificial, and it can also make the stories really kind of mechanical. Right. This one doesn't feel mechanical. This one feels like three days, three or four days in this town's life. It didn't start their life, and it doesn't end their life. They're doing stuff afterwards. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree about the modern screenwriting because everybody else is doing it, right? If you're doing the same thing everybody else is, you're not. I mean, you might not have like a winner on your hands, but you're not going to get castigated for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you do something like this, you're kind of taking a chance. Right. It feels like. Anyway, um, I thought that was pretty cool. So what was your favorite thing about the movie? My favorite thing, although I wrote it down. <laughs> I have a favorite thing that I can't talk about yet because it's in the spoiler section. But my favorite thing, without spoilers, is I think the direction of this movie is really solid, in particular with uh, the car. The car is really scary, and this movie does what, like, Jaws... I, I keep referring to it like Jaws, but it does what Jaws does, which is just the presence or the potential presence of the menace <laughs> is enough to make you nervous. And I also think it does a really good job of hiding the car in plain sight, which is really interesting. Um, there's at least two or three scenes where the car is right there or you know it's there or you suspect it's there and to be able to make a scene where you can't even see the car scary is pretty solid. Well, a lot of the reason the car is scary in the movie is because of, you know, the music and mm-hmm. the, the shots that they're doing. But it is a car, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that your eyes would just kind of skip over it. Right, it's playing with you that. You see cars everywhere. It's playing with that that uh, that expectation. There's a, a psychological... Thing that if you if there's something that you don't expect to see, sometimes you just won't see it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why people hit like motorcyclists sometimes. And, we all do it. We have weird things where we we don't see something because we're not paying attention or it just doesn't register. Sure. And this one at least has two at least two scenes in this movie where the car is in plain sight, and right. we even know to look for it, and we don't <laughs> notice it both times. And partly it's because yeah, it's, it's such subtle direction. It's very well done. Mm-hmm. And but, there's other times where, you know, they, they set the stage for the car to yes. appear. Other times they, they want you to know the car's there. That's probably why that works so well. Yeah, they, they don't do the one thing over and over again. Because otherwise one thing gets boring. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think my favorite thing was the... Um, and this actually has to do with what we were just talking about. They pan past the car at one scene and he's, they're in a garage. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy's just in his garage. <laughs> so it's not like the car is, is down the street or something. <laughs> He just walks right past it, yeah, and then looks back and realizes that the car's in there with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a really great. Um, and to have the car I be, it's also a great scene because like the car doesn't do anything at first; it's literally just sitting there. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 his guy's just freaking out, <laughs> right? Because the car's killed a lot of people at this point, <laughs> and he knows so. it's like, 
it's messing with you. It's like that. It, it's again, better than if the card haunts, right? Because he stands there and he's just starting to sweat. <laughs> it doesn't turn on the lights. It doesn't do anything at first. It's just literally like staring at you quietly in the corner. I thought that was a really smart. Yeah, scene. yeah. No, I agree with that. And again, that's when you've established a threat so well that the monster, just by its presence, is terrifying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Agreed. Man, what was your worst thing? Um, the French horn scene was a little awkward. <laughs> there's there's this problem kind of throughout the movie where it's it's a movie from the 70s, mm. and the dialogue fe- feels kind of stilted and dated yeah. in places. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's really apparent in this first... Cause he's a, well, because he's sort of a hitchhiker. Scene. He's a free spirit he's a from hippie, the 70s. Sort of. Oh, and that's After a little tough. hippies. Yeah. <laughs> It's just hard to watch. <laughs> That's a little tough. He's, this character's a little annoying. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he got like killed he, by the car. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Seems like he might be high, but I think he's just an idiot. <laughs> Where they wrote him that way. That's that's the life in general. <laughs> Too might real, high. You might just be an idiot. Too real. I think my worst thing is, as much as I enjoy the expectation uh, of subverting expectations, it is a little heartbreaking to realize that Amos, the wife beater... Not only helps the police, but is like there with their moment of triumph. That, was, that makes the ending hard to watch. It's a little hard to watch, but to be fair, I mean, they're all exhausted and they've just worked really hard. Yeah. But uh, that's a little... I, I'm not saying I want Amos to like get killed or something like that, but I I would like some indication that maybe there's a better future for his wife at least some and his child. <laughs> but it's not. it's just not... But that fits with it. Like, there's no easy answers in this movie. Yeah. Which is true. Like, we were, you, you were watching it and it was like... Too real. It's like, you know, struggling with alcoholism and domestic abuse. And these are real problems. And the movie's not like, oh, these are real problems. And the car comes along. These problems still exist. Right. And it's just so <laughs> jarring because no movies don't do that. No. Right? This is a fairly unique approach to <laughs> laying out a story. Yeah, yeah. And every time you think it's going to do it, like, we'll get into the spoilers in a little bit because that's what I talk about. Um, so... Uh, again, I guess that's it to talk about just, uh, thematically we can talk or we can talk about the, the movie's themes, but it's, I think we'd go to spoilers yeah. and then we can start talking about stuff. Yeah. We'll take a break here. If you'd like to see the car, I, which we recommend, but you don't have to, <laughs> but I do highly recommend the car. It's one of my favorite movies. If not, <laughs> just enjoy the break. That's right. <laughs> All right, so um, so the themes of the movie. <laughs> I, I joked about it being industrialization, earlier, yeah, but I kind of like that. You can see it. <laughs> yeah. Once you said it, I mean, the car being mechanical just makes it kind of fit. <laughs> and it's like driving over these people with indifference and even malice. Yeah, and, yes, especially malice. The people who have uh, <laughs> taunted the car and tried who to dared to challenge, try to get in its way. <laughs> No, when you said that, I was like, specifically this is goes after. <laughs> so we were comparing it to Jaws, right? And Jaws is more of a man versus nature. Yeah. Man versus an indifferent nature. <laughs> right. Actually, I'm going to take this farther. You ready? Like, the car can't go into oh, the boy. graveyard because the graveyard represents spirituality. And as long as, and the goal of the car is to remove your spirit, <laughs> only when we're cogs in the system oh, shit. will the car. <laughs> so. So uh, uh, that's the thing. It's like only when we're machines. And it's like this desert town, which is sort of like a metaphor for the West. Like the last <laughs> moment of the... <laughs> this, this is the Rust Belt flyover this is, this is the 
and 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 you know there's a, there's obviously indigenous people in this in this movie but there's also like you know they could be simple homesteaders too like you could argue yeah. and they're getting killed again by this merciless march of technology in this case <laughs> this mis- this mechanical but mysterious object that is both familiar and alien and you're right the horn this is, this this works this works the horn is like a work horn it's not just a regular car horn <laughs> You hear it coming. Your shift's over. Your shift's over. <laughs> the car. <laughs> this really works. I don't know if that's... Int- I, I'm going to say it's what they intended from now on. That's it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, so, it's interesting you bring up the Native Americans, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of uh, Native Americans in the movie, mm-hmm. but they're not... They don't go to a shaman or anything <laughs> that talks about the car. No. They're just kind of there. <laughs> I mean, that one scene where... They're talking to the witness, and she's uh, speaking in uh, you know indigenous native language. Like, there's the idea that she she knows something supernatural is coming on, but it's not because of some special insight. She's not like you know we don't have yeah. the magical. Ethnic. She's just generally superstitious. Plus, she saw there was no driver. She said that she saw there was no driver in the car. So it's like it's not like she's like oh well the spirits told me. It's like there was no driver in that freaking car. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that the guy is translating for the uh, and he's the Native American cop yeah. is skeptical, <laughs> right? Right? He's like he's she's just a crazy old woman <laughs> because and again talk about expectations. I think this might be before it was really really established, but the idea that like the magical ethnic person who is in touch with yeah the forces of magic, <laughs> although that was certainly a thing, right? That existed yeah. uh-huh. in the sixties and seventies. Uh-huh. Uh, so again. Good job, the car. Right, because you're right. You, there's never expectations. the the native the indigenous guy. He's never like the long time ago. The shaman said a spirit would arise. <laughs> it doesn't come up. It's like he. You're right. He's he's not. He doesn't believe in magic either. <laughs> right. The only reason that lady believes in magic is she's like, well, I saw there was nobody in the car. <laughs> That's really interesting, actually, because like we talk about later on when when uh, Luke has the revelation, he's the one who figures out the car is supernatural. Yeah. Right, and he's the white guy, the white drunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the the indigenous other sheriff guy. I can't remember his name, but he's really cool. And he's just like, he doesn't think it. He's like, yeah, he's not like a main character. No, but... he's pretty close. He's like a good secondary character. Yeah, one of the few sheriffs certainly doesn't get killed immediately. So, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be worth something. <laughs> so uh, we talked about the themes. Should we spin the wheel of metaphors? Oh, the wheel of me- All right, let's spin the wheel Find of metaphor. What this movie is a metaphor because, for. as you know, as it should be clear on Save the Movies, is everything is a metaphor for everything. <laughs> so we have created the wheel of metaphors, and we will now spin it and explain. Decide what, what this movie is a metaphor. What of. this movie is a metaphor for. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Man's and humanity to man. <laughs> well, this is a tough one. <laughs> is it? Is it, Scott? Allow the car's me. Not a man. <laughs> allow me, as man the, uh, the professional All right. creating stuff up guy. <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. All right. Well, you know, cars when they were first invented, they took the shared the streets with man. It's true, but then they started running into people, and and in fact, the automobile industry almost had to like. Had a, there's almost like anti-ordinance for automobiles. So they just figured out that um, the best way to do it is to make up the term jaywalking, which was basically an insult saying someone's so stupid they don't know not to cross the front of a car, even though cars were new. <laughs> so you kill somebody with the car. 
A car is our both our our desire for convenience to the point that we're willing to run over each other because I need to get someplace five minutes faster. That's pretty tortured. <laughs> and no, but think about it. Like the other part is if you're stuck in traffic and you're in a car, right? And there's an accident. Someone's having the worst day of their life up ahead of you, and you're like, "Damn it! I just want to get past it." Now there is. If you're in a car, road rage is a very depersonalized uh-huh. thing, mm-hmm. which I, that might fit into the, the inhumanity of a car. It does. <laughs> I like your road rage The theory. car divorces you from your morality. <laughs> the car we're, is we're just road rage personified. <laughs> we're the authors of our own <laughs> psychopath I, sociology. <laughs> see, I, I believe that works. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, All right, this, if someone asks you what this movie is about... <laughs> You can tell them on Save the Movies. <laughs> it's about man's inhumanity to man. Done. Done. <laughs> Gonna put a little check mark on the there you real go. metaphors. There you go. It works great. <laughs> I think that there's a. I want to again talk about the 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 closest you get to um, a scene where the problem of the characters cause a problem is the uh, when they don't cancel the parade. Yeah, uh, and that and at first I was like I, that might be a mistake, but it's because Luke forgot to. But again, he he, I love that. First of all, that they are like, well, let's cancel the parade, <laughs> <laughs> and then they forget to because Luke has his problem with alcohol. But like the the sheriff calls him out on it. That scene, Wade calls him out and says like, what happened? And and they all know he's an alcoholic. It's not a secret. And then Luke is kind of like, no, I, I wasn't doing that thing you think I'm doing. Because Wade's like, I'm not an idiot. I know what you're doing. And then Luke is like, his first denial was like, his instinct is not to, to deny it. And then he's like, oh, no, I, I, yeah, I am drinking again. And there's right. that line about like, he just says like, you know, it's been a lot. It's been a lot these last couple of days. Yeah, there's no response to that, right? Because it has been a lot. And, and, and that's the thing. Wade, like, and he starts... Wade is not upset by that. I mean, he's, he's yeah. annoyed, but he, he's sympathetic, which is kind of cool. Right, and he starts drinking because this kid that he knew was his neighbor um, was killed by the car. Right, right. Um, so it's just all the, like, his, his friends are dying in the police force. Mm-hmm. And this kid that he really liked died, so he, you know, he starts drinking again. <laughs> right. And <laughs> he's not strong enough to, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Be, be a robot. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, he's not a machine. Especially because they mentioned that this is such a quiet town. Was it 10 years of riding parking tickets? Yeah. And then, like, three days, three and I love that about also what I like about this movie a lot and is I love I love when you use I love when we can skip the whole is it supernatural stuff like <laughs> because you know this can be boring this one is like yeah they 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 kind of figure it's supernatural but they also are like even before that they're like it's a car we had to figure it out we had to stop it there's not a lot of like is this happening like this movie it's a long time before they even start to guess that the car is supernatural. But they right away they know it's happening. You know, it's not yeah. disguises. And it reminds me of like um, one of my favorite movies that I, I think we'll get to one day. Hopefully, is a, a movie called Bad Moon, and it's about a werewolf movie. And it's a typical werewolf movie, except for the twist. And it, I'm going to spoil it. The twist is that the hero is the dog, and so the dog. I, and I watched this movie in the theater by accident. I just went because I didn't know what else to watch. <laughs> and I'm watching it. I, I didn't know anything about it. I just like, oh, well, okay, I'll give a werewolf movie a shot. And you're watching it, and it's pretty normal. And then at one point you realize, maybe about ten minutes into the movie, that you're like, oh, the dog's the hero. <laughs> and the dog is not, like, he's not like a cartoon dog. He's not like, he doesn't have a voiceover. He's just a dog. But, like, it pr- changes the rules because, for example, when the, not to get too much in it, but, like, for example, when the 
werewolf shows up and we know he's a werewolf, the family's just like, oh, hey. And the dog is just like, <laughs> and you know. And you're like, so many times in these movies, you're like, well, they have to solve this problem, but how can they get people to believe him? Well, the dog can't get anybody to believe him. He's not even trying to do that. He's a dog, and it changes his rules and abilities, but it also allows us to get right to it. The movie doesn't play coy. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And this uh, movie so doesn't play coy. The limitations of the dog's communication make it so that they don't have to do those things where, you know, somebody sees something but doesn't tell anybody else. Right, and the, also the ability of the dog to know immediately also changes it because you don't have to yeah. do, you don't have to waste time like they figure it out. The dog's immediately like werewolf. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and so the car's the same way. Yeah, it's supernatural, but they really are like. Like, within the third victim, that French horn guy, he just gets run over, and as people see it, nobody's like, well, what happened? <laughs> right? This is not like a Jaws boat accident. This is... <laughs> guy got ground in the hamburger by the car. Yeah. So, they figure Stopped out... Stopped and backed up. And they figure out more of it. Times. So, that's one of the things I think is really great about this movie. Yeah. I agree. There's a really cool scene where the car, we've seen the car runs people over, mm-hmm. but the cops are actually about to trap them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the car does this like screeching sideways thing and then rolls over the car yes. so the cops are on. <laughs> um, and it's it's ridiculous, but it's one of the few times in the movie where the car does something that's like more than you would think a car can do. Especially uh, on film because it'll do things where it's like it'll turn around real fast in one scene that one scene where they're going up the mountain the guy's chasing it it turns around really quickly when it shouldn't be able to do it but it does it off camera it gets right. into that garage off camera but this <laughs> sure. is the case where it's just like you're screwed you realize how screwed you are yeah right this is a point where they're still thinking you know they can probably trap the car with their cars <laughs> right and even we kind of think it maybe because even though the car's bulletproof like you know they've tried to hurt it Right. You're still like, well, it, it's still a car. They should be able to trap it. <laughs> right. And this is the point where everybody kind of realizes that's that's not going to work. And even the audience realizes it, yeah. Because then there's that, that, that follow-up scene where he's, uh, where he's like, James Brolin is standing with the, shoots the car, doesn't hurt it, and literally, like, gets knocked out by the door. <laughs> right. And that's that's a plot point where he's like, we, it didn't even, we didn't even scratch it. Like... <laughs> And it it took me out with yeah, the door. I like that they talk about it. Yeah, um, so, I mean that makes it. They, that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. They know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so my favorite scene that I like is that the the, the my favorite thing in the movie really is the scene where uh, Laura the the girlfriend gets killed. Yeah, because it's such a great. It's like the culmination of the uh, the the suspense because you know it's like a camera pants past the the darkness. And you're like, I know what's in there, even before you see it. <laughs> and then there's that shot where, like, the sheriff car rides, drives past it, and the lights car on. The car immediately pulls out to go get her, and she's in her house, and the wind kicks up, and we all know that's bad. She knows it's bad. Yeah. And she gets into her house, and I love this direction of this scene where she's in her house. She thinks she's safe, and she should because the, no nobody's been killed yet by the car. Like that, and then she answers the phone. She's talking to her, and you can see the lights slowly turn on in the background of the in the window and getting closer and closer. And she's just like, "I can hear the engine," and you're like, "You're not imagining it." <laughs> to me, it's like as good as the idea of you see the shark fin. It's a, it's even more powerful because it's like it's right there. It's on the surface. It's, the thing is right there. Yeah. And every time I've seen this scene, I've seen the movie like the movie like three times. Every time I see this scene, I just want to yell at her, "Turn around!" 
<laughs> it's just it's one of my favorite scenes. Well, the expectation on that scene is she's going to have a close call, in right? Way. Right. <laughs> so that's I, I mean the car being there, we we kind of we're set up for for what we know, which is mm. that the heroine's going to or the love interest is going to right. have like a close call and somebody's going to come save her. Or she's going to get away somehow. But the car just as all the suspense is building, the car just smashes through the right. house. <laughs> and again, what the the other thing I love about this movie is the. That I really do love the car. I feel like it's a great villain because it emotes so well and you can get sense its intent. Everywhere else it honks. It honks like crazy. Her, it waits till it's right there because it's like, mm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to make you be afraid. I'm just trying to squish you. Yeah, there's a scene earlier in the movie where they're in a graveyard mm. and the car won't go into it for reasons that are never explained. Consecrated ground. Well, right. <laughs> Luke's got a theory. I, I go with it. Sounds good to me. But uh, Laura's in the graveyard, and she's she's cussing out the car. <laughs> she's cussing out the car and, like, throwing stuff at it. Mm-hmm. And the car is looks very agitated. Right. It's weird, because it doesn't the, do anything right. other than rev and... It's just kind of scooting around, <laughs> and you can tell that it wants blood. Oh, and then when she te- she's yelling at it, it gets really... You can tell it's getting really angry at her. Right. Right, so this is the reason that in that next scene... Right. He's out for uh, right. Laura's blood. <laughs> well, and that's the, that's one of the things I like about the car is it has that malice, like that when it doesn't run over the French horn guy, and it's just like moving on with his life. <laughs> and then he dares to taunt it, and it's just like, oh yeah, mad mistake. Yeah, that's yeah. where we first start seeing that the car is kind of malicious instead of yeah. Well, I guess I don't know what else it would be. It's a car. <laughs> well, there's a difference between it's again it's the idea of Jaws. Jaws is not malicious. Jaws is just a really aggressive shark. Right. You know, it doesn't really, probably eats tons of stuff in the ocean, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but as the, sharks do, because <laughs> sharks do, but the car, the car wants you to be afraid. The car wants you to hurt. It wants to feed on your fear. Like there's times where like at the last scene, the last scene we were talking, you know, where, where the, the motorcycle chase scene, there's times I'm like, I think you could have killed him. It doesn't want to kill him yet. Cause it's playing with him. It's really screwing with him. Cause it enjoys that. Yeah. You know, it likes the chase. Yeah, it does. It's not. It's not necessarily interested in in just killing you. Yeah, and the French horn scene is the first scene where we see that it may it has more like malicious instincts than just being an animal, I guess. <laughs> Even right. though it's a weird thing to say about a car, but, but it's there but in context. There. Yeah, sure. and uh, when they come to find the French horn guy, uh, <laughs> so apparently he's pretty mangled, and they don't show it, but yeah. they do pick up his French horn, which is mangled, mangled. which is, which is a good yeah. It's a good uh, representation of how how bad the French horn player got it. <laughs> how bad the French horn player got it. Um, it's pretty bad. I just think that, like, uh, again, the thing I like is that the deaths in this movie matter, which is really nice. Um, I know it's kind of weird, but it's like like there's that scene in the hospital where like they've lost like five guys, and and they're literally just they read their names and they're all like devastated. They're all none of yeah. them are just like. Let's move on. We got a car to kill. They're like, this is really rough. Yeah, nobody has anything to say. Right. It's, it's kind just... of like... <laughs> it's like we're talking about the killer clown metaphor. I mean, comparison. Where yes. it's like, killer clowns, like, apparently the whole town was killed by killer clowns and it blows up in the... And at the end is a pie <laughs> joke. Which, I still love killer clowns, but it's a little disconcerting when you think well, about it. it's a different it. movie. It right? is a different it's movie. It's more, more comedic. Yes. <laughs> and this is... I mean, not that many people have died, I guess. <laughs> like comparison, maybe, maybe yeah. ten people. 
but it's devastating <laughs> because right. it would be. <laughs> I mean, especially because people are dead. <laughs> most of them are police officers, so they've right. all known these characters. Yeah, in the small town where nothing yeah. happens. Yeah. So uh, yeah, totally makes sense. I do like the scene where the uh, the old woman at the school <laughs> brings Laura a drawing. So she's a teacher at the school. Yeah. And one of her students has drawn her uh, naked. Yes. <laughs> and I love she's that line. not really phased, but... What's that line? Uh, do you think it's normal for a 13-year-old yeah. to imagine his... I mean, boy, to imagine his teacher naked. <laughs> and Laura's like, yeah. <laughs> That's, that feels like a sign of the 70s. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, I had uh, my first book, Gills Off Right Diner. Uh, what's, I forget what city it was in. But one city... There was a, a, a school library that somebody brought it up because they felt it wasn't appropriate for children. Because it had been it had won like best book for young adults. Uh, I mean, for yeah, which is like a, just like ten books they give right. for young adults. Gilsden? Yeah, well, um, is is suitable for young adults, especially if they're more. I, I won the Alex Award, which is <laughs> I didn't make that one up. I seriously did not make that one up. Um, uh-huh. And uh, it was. Uh, Do you win that every year? <laughs> I'm not worth it every year. Sometimes, man, <laughs> conversation be a little tough. Um, no, but and the Alex Award is given to um, adult books that have appeal, especially appeal to young adult readers that are ready to move up in the world and read yeah. more sophisticated stuff. So some people get confused by that because they really don't understand that I'm talking about uh, the same the year I won was the same year Neil Gaiman Gaiman won, but whatever, we're cool. <laughs> sat next to sat next to him with my first. Like my first book had published, and I'm sitting next to it, and I'm just like, "Oh my god, I don't know what to do." I'm gonna give a speech, and it's terrible. My speech was terrible, <laughs> like just awkward. Everyone else gets these great moving speeches. <laughs> like there was like like five people because they get and they all gave great speeches. And I sat down. But here's the thing: this is why Neil Gaiman is a classy dude, right? I sit down next to him, and he just goes over and he's like, "Short but sweet." <laughs> and I was like, "Thank you, sir." Can I get a selfie? <laughs> and I was just like, "That was awesome." Well, that was. I didn't have a phone that could do that back then. I didn't have a phone back then. It was oh, the old back days. In the day. Yeah, but that book, my Gills was so it was a school library. But somebody tried to ban it. And I forget which. If you look it up, you could probably find it. And the mother was actually upset because her twelve-year-old son was reading it and said, "She goes, well, it's got to be the sexual content because why else would a twelve-year-old boy start talking about sex?" <laughs> it's Ooh, a mystery, <laughs> lady. I I don't know what to tell you. I mean. It's weird, but that's the article. It's weird to realize that how often people are like, they're little babies. Well, yeah, but they're getting there. <laughs> yeah, that's... You know, American is a nation of, of prudes. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's like... It's started I think, by Puritans. <laughs> I think 12-year-olds start thinking about boobies and penises. <laughs> <laughs> and various body parts and things. <laughs> And kissing, <laughs> and kissing, 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 and hugging, and holding hands, <laughs> right? Holding hands under the favorite tree, <laughs> right? That's what the kids do now, right? Sure, mm-hmm. you might steal a smooch. <laughs> steal a smooch. <laughs> so I like that a little bit. Um, it's nice because it, Laura is a again the reason there's an ex- subversion of expectations is Laura is a really solidly fleshed out character. Yeah. And and you think with that much we character, spend, we spend a lot of time with her, right? And like we see her with the kids, we see her with a relationship. Um, she's the one who's like brave enough to yell at the car. She's the one like is really good with the kids. She's a cool lady, which is why when she dies, especially so unexpectedly, it's like she doesn't get she doesn't get a fight, she doesn't get a chance. She's just literally killed, <laughs> just mowed over. 
Yeah, that's pretty dark. <laughs> it just goes like that, too. It's really quick. Yep. And that's what's interesting about this movie, too, is the movie doesn't... There's a question there whether the car can drive through the house also, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is instantly answered. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just drives right through the house. Yeah. Yeah. And they reference it later, and the car uh, is part of us them recognizing that the car is supernatural. Luke's. Luke's. Right. Yeah. Because somebody says something about it flew four feet off the ground and went right through this house. Right. How did it even know where she lived? <laughs> right. How does it even know where she lives? Which is an excellent point. That's a car that knows. It's true. It's like. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're right. They all kind of recognize they were dealing with something. Although Wade never quite acknowledges it. Normal. Well, <laughs> but he, he, he does acknowledge in this sense. Yeah, yeah. Luke's the only one who kind of says it out loud. Everybody else is just like, well, we're not going to admit it, but we think you're right. right. Which is why we're going to bury this thing <laughs> under a mountain. <laughs> I think the final scene is, is pretty solid. I, I like the... He's, I, like, I like the car sort of aware of what's going on, but I also think it's one of the things is like it doesn't really care. It doesn't really consider you important enough. Right. Nobody's... At any point in the movie, it's been a threat to the car. Right. And even then, since at the end, during the credits show, the car driving into the city, it's like, no, you didn't really destroy it. just got rid of it. But there's always more people to kill. And it's not after you. It doesn't care. It's just after people. And then the, and, I, and that part especially is the ending to me where the credits, because it's like, uh, wow, this is dangerous. This thing is going to go to the city where no one's going to notice it. How many people is this thing going to kill? Yeah, just another hit and run traffic accident yeah. in the city. And there's cars everywhere for it to fit into. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. There's an odd part um, when they're having the parade mm-hmm. and like three guys jump on horses <laughs> to try to distract the car. <laughs> That's a little weird. I have to admit. Uh, I do like those characters. Unfortunately, we don't. they don't show up in the movie before. They're just guys yeah, who try like to do the extras. right thing <laughs> and get their asses kicked yeah. by a car, which you would expect. Sure, but they successfully they do successfully save distract it. Yeah, yeah, they do distract it. Um, there's a uh, again that shot. I love that scene because it's like that part where you see the parade and then you see in the background and you see the glint. Yeah, and then the music is a little creepy. It's another scene like the garage where the car. It's just kind of it's just coming along. If it's, you noticed it, then you noticed it. <laughs> it's coming, and uh, there's like that sense where you're just like, "Oh, get out of the way!" <laughs> like that part when it starts honking, like even when it shows up in that scene, because it's like literally, like, I, I know I'm coming. You know I'm coming. Let's have some fun. It's like car. I'll give you a head start. <laughs> like you, it's, it's like herding them around and chasing them, and you're just like, "Man, this that's one malicious car." That car is such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was going to say something else. So, okay. um, I, I, the point, another scene that I kind of liked, they pull uh, Amos, the wife beater, out of prison. <laughs> yes. Cause, probably because he beat his wife at some point um, off screen. <laughs> and they bring him out, and, you know, everybody hates this guy at this point. Right. Especially. Um, but Wade looks over at him, and he's sitting there, and he doesn't know what's going on. He says, we need you. And he gets this disgusting this smile on his face. This grin. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good shot. Uh, it's a really great characterization, because it kind of says that thing about, like, as bad as you are, we need your help. Yeah. And it's like, and you get that sense of, like, his egotism, where he's just like, it's a great I need shot. you to come back to me. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it doesn't stretch, it doesn't rush it, but it doesn't, like, it's just this slow... And that's the actor, oh, I I looked up his name, I can't remember what his name was, but he's in tons of stuff. 
Uh, he played, I think he played uh, the original uncle on uh, Friday the 13th, the series, who who sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> Have you never seen Friday the 13th, the series? Uh-uh. Oh, Scott. <laughs> Friday the 13th, the series, has nothing to do with Friday the 13th, by the way. But it's a it was a syndicated series about a guy who sold his soul to the devil, uh, but went back on the deal and he died. But basically he unleashed all these cursed artifacts on the world. And his nephew and his some uh, her his cousin or somebody and, and like uh, this old supernatural expert had to go around and find these supernatural objects and bring them back. We'll check and it out on a Save the TV shows. It's 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 a good show. It's it, the only thing that was bad about that show is nobody got saved ever. They just always like managed to get the <laughs> item later. So it'd be like, oh, this uh, this this uh, you know sucks out your brain juice and kills you. Okay, well, you're a love interest. Oh, you're dead. <laughs> and then they'd get the item, but uh, so he played that. I can't remember the name of the uncle, but um, and he played in uh, he's just tons of stuff. I think he's probably I think he might have died by now, but but he's a character actor. You saw in tons of stuff, and he usually plays this kind of role of the cantankerous asshole. <laughs> huh. Well, I really like that scene because that smile is all you need. <laughs> that is the money shot. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't dwell on it for too long. No, <laughs> it's just establish that, move mm-hmm. on. So I guess that's kind of the whole movie. I mean, we skipped around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. um, I mean, it, it's it's good. I, I think it's got a solid pacing. Um, I I love, for example, and again, the other subversion is that like his children are not the sheriff's children are not a special danger. Like when attacking the parade, it's attacking all the parade. It's not right. just the kids in danger specifically. You know, I like that. Or they almost definitely would have been in any any other like horror movie, especially now. Especially now, if you have kids, their whole job of your kids. Is to be endangered at some point. So that's interesting. It feels like they stuck to the formula enough. Yeah. But, you know, had some fun with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, formula is part of it. I mean, you're going to always have some formula. But the fact sure. that the fact that it doesn't doesn't feel like I can predict everything that's going to happen because I know, oh, there's the character. You know, it's funny. We keep talking about this, but it's like <laughs> it's what happened with, like, uh, Deep Blue Sea. Like, the reason that movie's so fun and interesting to me is because it's the first expectation, but only because they did it by accident. This movie, they do it on purpose, at least. Right. Although, I wonder if it's because they did it on purpose, like somebody did it, or somebody was just writing the screenplay and nobody knew knew enough to fix it. (laughs) That could be. Right? I don't know. It was the 70s. It might have been a little more more open. I believe that, actually. Yeah, I believe that, actually. Um, So... More experimental. Yeah. Well, or maybe just not as codified. Yeah, a lot of these things are codified more and more. That's sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, even as a storyteller, I see that where somebody will uh, talk about stories and and they're like, "Well, it has to have this and this and this," and it's like, "Well, you're just putting it in this rigid formula that makes it really hard to." For me, sometimes it's really hard for me to care. I mean, sometimes a rigid formula works fine. I mean, you know, Star Wars is a fairly rigid formula. Sure. But it works fine. I mean, the but, next movie we're going to watch is Speed Racer. Right. Which is very formulaic. Yeah. Except for the fact that it's got a, a, a car that shoots beehives. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of somebody's formula. That's right. Um, so it can work. But I think in movies like this where, especially scary movies, I think without some kind of horror movies, without some kind of subversion, the story's not really that so it's horrific. Because it's kind of like, well, I know, oh, that guy's going to die. Well, I don't invest in him. Right, <laughs> right. It's usually pretty obvious who's gonna die. Well, like Luke, like the the subversion is like when Luke's girlfriend—I can't remember her name—she's the teacher too—and she runs out of the graveyard, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, she's gonna die!" 
right? Because right. that's the thing. She's panicking. She's going to die. And even that's virgin because she's not panicking. She's actually running for help. Yeah. So and, later she winds up in the police car and starts calling And calls for help. And it's like, so I don't even know, like, her and Luke are like a couple. They're a couple that survived this movie, seem to have a solid relationship, seem to care about each other. And they're not idiots. Yeah, they're not perfect. Like, Luke at the end is nervous about the end of Tremors, which they stole from. <laughs> but, like, Luke's like the guy who's like, we got to uh, get out of here. So it makes that, again, that's subversion really interesting that there's that couple and neither one of them are the guys who are, you know, a lot of times in either horror movies or any movies, characters who are not the main characters have to be incompetent. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think Speed Racer works because it's a tribute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So if you're writing something out there, <laughs> think about uh, trying some shit. <laughs> you know, I, it's tough because if you try it, a lot of times people think you failed. It's, hmm. it's interesting. Uh, you can do something and... The, the again not to get off track too much but uh, real quickly but like there's that uh, fantasy movie Epic came out a couple of years ago and it's about like little fairies uh, this girl gets zapped into the world of the fairies like the, they're yeah. having these okay and it's I, a, I think it's a pretty solid movie I enjoy it but one of the things at the end is the problem is solved because the father has this device that can call bats like it makes a bat so- noise and he uses it to help pull away the bats that are doing something bad and uh, I read a review and somebody was like well, does this movie say technology is good? And I'm like, the movie never once said technology was bad. It was never nature versus technology. <laughs> but somebody else is like, well, that can't be it. Because if it's a movie about nature, it must be about how technology sucks. <laughs> and I was like, it never once had that message. It never was even the message of, like, man's going to destroy this forest because of his need to consume. It never came up. It's really about nature itself having a battle. <laughs> it can be tough if a movie doesn't fall into a clear category. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that this movie does. I, I, I agree. <laughs> Um, it's, I mean, it's a horror movie, kind of, but it doesn't, like we've been talking about the whole time, it doesn't follow mm-hmm. really the horror, horror movie formula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, All right, so okay. uh, we'll call that. And then, so yes, the next movie we're going to do is Speed Racer by the Wachowski sisters. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think, I'm pretty sure. I know one of them is a sister now. I think, I think they both are. Post-Matrix. For them. Yes, this is post-Matrix. Um, I think it's kind of guilty of some of their sins that make their movies a little hard to watch sometimes. But I think it gets away with it because it's it's got a lot of color. It's a lot of fun. Right. And and I really like the Carfu. That'll, that'll sell me <laughs> on almost anything. <laughs> yeah. And I would agree that it's a little guilty of them like over-philosophizing right. a bit. But it's Speed Racer, <laughs> so they can't do too much of that. I think they're yeah. constrained by the subject. Yeah, and I think their pacing's it got some issues, too. I think that they tend to overwork a scene. But we'll talk about that with Speed Racer. Yeah. It'll be a nice contrast to the car. The car, which, which is, is pretty tight. tight. Yes, it's very tight. Uh, all right, so until then, <laughs> he's Scott. He's Lee. And we just saved the movie. Woo! Woo! Uh, me, 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 me. <laughs> Unique New York. <laughs> Unique New York. <laughs> the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain.